This episode is brought to you by Lark Media. Did you ever feel like you had a message that the whole world absolutely needed to hear? You take it, you package it, you bundle it, you send it out there, and then boom, no response. Well, if that's you, don't be disappointed. It might not be that your message is bad. It might be that you're not delivering it the right way. And this is where our friends over at Lark Media can help. These guys are masters of marketing. They've done things for advanced training where they've come in. They've taken documentaries of our work, and they not only captured what it looks like, but they capture what it feels like to be a part of what we do. They've also made motion graphics that we use before and after our YouTube videos. If you need help, please contact Steve at LarkMediaNYC.com. Again, that's Steve at Lark, L-A-R-K, MediaNYC.com. Tell them that Advanced Trading sent you, and they'll take 10% off. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, I'm going to give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And we're going to wrap up with what has been going on with the Advanced Training Playoffs. And uh, <laughs> this week, it, it was awesome. So I'll get to that in a second, but let's get to our six tips and tricks first. Okay, tip number one, it's an exercise tip. And this tip relates back to a tip I gave a few weeks ago on how to train in the gym to make yourself better for our outdoor training. And one of the tips was to do a farmer's walk, grab the curling bar, that little short curling bar that's like 15 pounds, throw some weight on each end, and walk around your gym with it. Not the big barbell, not the traditional barbell. It's too big. You'd be bumping into everybody, but a curling bar. Coach Mano said, hey, how do I make the grip fatter? Because the grip on that thing is it's too skinny. It doesn't really resemble what's going on with an actual farmer's walk handle. And he's spot on because the farmer's walk handle has a much fatter grip. So what can you do? You go online, go to fatgrips.com, I think it's with a Z, and purchase something called fat grips. And you put that fat grip on the barbell and you walk around the gym holding that fat grip on the barbell, and now it much more closely resembles what's going on on a field. So great suggestion, Coach Manos. Anyone who is going to try it, don't just go immediately with he- with heavy weight. Put the fat grip on. Maybe walk around with the barbell with no weight on it first. Make sure you get your hand accustomed to grabbing that fat grip. Also, there is a sleeve on the fat grip. So that sleeve is what helps you put the fat grip on the bar make sure that your fingers aren't going inside of that sleeve. You want to make sure that your fingers are not going inside of that sleeve, that your hand is gripping around to a point where that sleeve is not digging it, like your fingers aren't in it because it's just going to either slip out or the fat clip's going to fall off or it's just going to defeat the whole purpose. Okay, tip number two. Tip number two, something I am experimenting with. So, uh, I hate to be an eye guy and I very seldom do arms, but now at the ev- at the end of every one of my sessions, I am doing, and it's the same thing at the at every one of my sessions, I am doing band overhead tricep extensions to failure. Well, I leave one or two in the tank, but it's at the end of every one of my sessions. So why am I doing that? Well, I'm doing it because I've had this pain in my elbow for a long time. Like I couldn't straighten out my arm and it, it, I'm going like years now. And it happened while I was training for uh, I guess I'll call it self-defense. I don't want to call it mixed martial arts, but I was training and I was working with my trainer. We were sparring and he kind of grabbed my arm and I put it in a pretty bad angle and it, it actually really messed up my arm. Uh, and it's hurt me throwing a football. It's hurt me to even extend my arm out straight. I'm even noticing that it's impacting the way I do my seated sled rows because I can't straighten out my arm. The, the thing is swinging to one side. Anyway, so it it would hurt me to 
to move my arm in certain directions. And what I'm realizing is that by doing that band tricep extension every day, it's almost like the opposite of like golfer's elbow, I'm sorry, tennis elbow, I don't know what it's even called. But I have the opposite of that problem going on. So by doing those band overhead extensions every day, it's actually tremendously helping out the pain that I had in my elbow. And the other benefit to this is that Hey, what's what's the problem with having really strong triceps, right? It's only going to help out your bench press. It's going to help me uh, with other things that I'm doing. So why not make that happen as well? What's really interesting is like the first time I did it, and this is with like, uh, I guess they're called the pro bands. They're not the giant bands, but the pro bands. I got like 50 reps. Then I got like 60 reps. Then the next day I got like 70 reps. I started getting into like 95, 100 reps. And I'm not an endurance guy. I'm like a three rep guy, which is pretty sick. Then I went to the heavy band, and then I banged that out for 75 reps. So, I'm, again, I'm doing it more as a prehab workout. I don't expect to be walking around like Billy Blanco with the biggest triceps on earth. But there is a, a nice side benefit of it helping out my bench press. And I guess my endurance for that specific movement is get building up a little bit. I am curious to see if that endurance is going to help me out with something like uh, sliders, like long-distance sliders, if I'm not going to feel as fatigued. Because, again, I'm getting up to about 100 reps with the pro band and about 75 reps with the, uh, the, the heavy band. Okay, and again, that is a standing overhead tricep extension. And if you think listen to a guy like Louis Simmons, I believe Westside Barbell did something very similar every single day, again, as a prehab movement, but a prehab movement that would help them with their bench press. Okay, tip number three. Tip number three, a quote that I am thinking about. It is, certainty is the enemy of growth. I'll say that again. Certainty is the enemy of growth. And I just love this because, first of all, the people that you know that think they know everything, well, then they're not learning anything, right? I know that. I know that. I know that. No, you don't. The smartest, the smartest people I know know that they know nothing, and they're constantly curious. They're constantly trying to learn. If you remember, we even had uh, Coach Bali on here a few weeks ago, and he was talking about it's about getting information, right? It's about getting information. So that, to me, when I hear people say things like that, I those are the people I admire. They constantly want to learn. They constantly want to grow. It's the people that know everything. They think they know everything, that they're just stuck. Now, this is also a good quote for me, even though I am curious and I like to learn and I claim all these things. There are times in my life where I'm just, I'm so certain. And that's where I have to reflect on this quote. And so why I'm reflecting on this quote, because am I right? Am I completely right here? You know, like, do I, I need to go back and make sure that I am right. And I have to question myself and make sure that I don't feel so certain that I'm just stuck in my ways and that I am inhibiting my own growth. So again, the quote is, certainty is the enemy of growth. Okay, tip number four, something that I am watching that's moving me. It's called Perfect Bid on Netflix, and it has to do with the show The Price is Right. And it's about this highly intelligent person who watched The Price is Right and realized that they kept showing the same exact things, products, whatever, over and over again on shows. And that if you kind of just looked at it enough and documented it enough and studied it enough, you'd figure out the patterns and you'd be able to basically hack the game. And he actually does. He hacks the game, not only for himself, but also for as he's sitting in the audience, he's hacking the game for other people that are on the show. You know, if you've ever watched the show, they kind of go into the audience, people screaming at him, uh, 1595, right? He, he's the guy in the audience screaming out 1595. And he's the guy, he helped a bunch of other people actually beat The Price is Right. Now, I really don't care too much about The Price is Right, but what I do like, it goes back to certainty is the enemy of growth. I do really appreciate people who sit back, study patterns, because there's patterns in almost everything. They find those patterns, 
and then they use that to hack whatever they're trying to do. It's a, it's a very similar mindset that I use with data analytics. And what is interesting is as good as this guy was, it took him, he went to probably like 40 viewings of The Price is Right. I think it took him like 25 times to even get on the show, like even to be selected to go down into the audience. So uh, I guess there's a lot of perseverance that's involved in this too, because even if you think you know, and you figured out these patterns, people won't always believe you. Or you might not get the right opportunity, right? Like for this guy, he just needed that opportunity to actually get down on the floor and play the game. So again, it's the perfect bid on Netflix. Okay, tip number five. It's a productivity tip. And this one has to do with your possessions, right? We're doing some renovations in our house, and to prep for it, we are now methodically getting rid of stuff that we don't need. Like all the stuff we thought was important, we are just methodically getting rid of stuff that we don't need. Now, there's going to be like two tips within this tip. Tip number one is, rather than do like a spring cleaning and get rid of everything that we don't need in one day, what we decided to do, this is me and my wife, is like one thing a day, right? Like one thing a day, because we're trying to make it a habit to get rid of something. So every day, we get rid of one thing that we don't need. You think you need stuff, but you collect all this stuff, and you really don't need it. So every day, we're getting rid of one thing, and now we're getting into this habit of getting rid of stuff that we don't need. Now here's the other tip, the actual tip that I was talking about, and I heard this on another podcast. Somebody said, you want to know what's really important to you? What's really important to you? Imagine your house is on fire, and you can only grab two or three things. And this doesn't include your children or your pets. I'm looking at my uh, little Chucky right now. He'd be the first thing I'm grabbing, but it doesn't include that. What are those two to three things? Everything else from that, aside from that, it's not that important. right? All the stuff that you think is important, uh, as I'm cleaning out my these, these like, rooms to get them cleared up for these renovations. I'm looking at like DVDs that I'll never, ever watch. Like, am I really going to watch Rat Race? No, I'm never going to watch Rat Race. Why did I have that DVD for so long? I have no idea. But that was just sitting in my, uh, we call it our wasted room. In our wasted room, in our junk room, just taking up space, right? Like little stupid things like that. If this house is on fire, there's no way I am grabbing that. You know, if this house is on fire, I know exactly the two or three things I'm going to get. Those are the things that should be important to me. Everything else is waste. Everything else is clutter. Everything else is a distraction. So, again, practice a little mini habit of methodically getting rid of what you don't need. Okay, tip number six, the strangest thing I saw all week. So, I went to run. I am experimenting and running in a, a, a different type of minimalist shoe. So, I have my zero shoe. I have not actually been sprinting in my zero shoe. I have another like minimal shoe that I've been sprinting in. I decided to sprint in my actual zero shoe, and I wanted to experiment it with, with it in a parking lot because I didn't want it to get all dirty from uh, the turf at the field, right? So I go to, I guess it's a, what's it called? It's by Apple, if you're living in Staten Island, I live on the south shore of Staten Island. It's by Applebee's and the Christmas tree shop. I go at 6 o'clock in the morning to go run in a parking lot. And I've run in many a parking lot in my life, and I've figured out the best way to run in a parking lot, go super early in the morning, go to a far corner where nobody can run you over, uh, and do it in a place where there's not any sort of traffic that's going to come through. But as much as I've done this, I've also noticed this crazy fact, and this is the strangest thing I saw all week, is that while I'm doing my running, some person just pulls up and parks right next to me where I'm running and sits in their car. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people show up to a parking lot that early in the morning and just sit there. I don't know what they're doing. Sometimes they're eating breakfast. Sometimes they're probably just debating if they should or shouldn't go into work. Maybe they're hating their lives. I have no idea what's going on. But over and over again, whenever I've run on a a street or a parking lot, there is somebody sitting in a car either (laughs) doing something awful or 
like debating if they need to go to work. They're just sitting there like, oh God, I got to start my day. But they're always doing it right next to me. Like, I don't care what they're doing, but why are you looking directly at me? Isn't it awkward for you? It's certainly awkward for me, but isn't it awkward for you to just sit directly face head on as I am doing my uh, movement training and sprinting in my zero shoes? So, I don't know. Strangest thing I saw all week. All right, now, let's get to the tips and tricks are over. Let's get to what happened at this week's challenge. So, we are in the playoffs. We have finished the first round, so the Sweet 16 is done. We are now to the Elite Eight. If you remember from last week's podcast, we had not one but two guys on a bachelor party together. We said, Coach, can we postpone the playoffs because we are going away and we're not going to be here? And after some deliberation, the group said, yes, let's postpone the playoffs. So I'm trying to think of, all right, we're running out of time for the rest of the season. You know, guys' availability isn't always there. Is there a way to keep this thing moving in some way, shape, or form? So thinking outside the box... Right, thinking outside the box. If you think about a 16-team playoff bracket, there's eight people on the left, there's eight people on the right, and they work their way towards each other. So what I said is, hey, and I reached out to a guy I trust in the program, also the number one seed. I said, hey, Joe Marechko, let me ask you this. Do you think it's too crazy if we just work on the left side of this bracket and do their Elite Eight and their Final Four this week. And then next week, when those guys get back, because they're both on the right side of the bracket, we can do their Elite Eight and their Final Four. He says, yes, it's too crazy. Don't do it. Just wait a week. We'll get it done. Okay. So that that text message ends. About 10 minutes later, Youngblood, a.k.a. Yurchek, texts me, Coach, do we have playoffs this week or not? I just want to make sure. Because if we don't, I need to go to college, and I'm going to work with my team for a captain's practice. You know what, Yurchek? We're not doing it. Go, feel free to go. Go to your, you're going to play college football. To to me, that is that trumps everything else we're doing. Go get ready. Go to that captain's practice. So now Yurchek changes his plans. He's going to go to that captain's practice. He cannot come this weekend. Okay. I don't know how much longer it goes by. Maybe it's a couple hours. Maybe it's a day. I don't know. Joe Marechko texts me. Listen, I cannot make training next weekend. Not this weekend. Next weekend. So now that puts us in a bind. He can't make training. Now he's the number one seed. He's in the playoffs. What do we do? Right? What do we do? So we go back to our crew. Guys, can we go back with this crazy original plan? No. Now your check can't, can't do it. Right? He's already committed himself to go pl- to college football practice. Okay, your check. Get it. That's more important. We can't do it. So Galley, in the meantime, while all this is happening, Galley's on the right side of the bracket. He says, Coach, I also can't go next weekend. He works shifts. He works at a powerhouse. He works shifts. The guy's got a, a weird work schedule. He can't come. So, here it is, people. We decide to break out the infamous rule number 15. But I did ask everybody on the left side of the bracket and Galley, are you guys okay with me implementing rule number 15? If people don't know what rule number 15 is, that is Coach Mahoney can do anything he wants. It's basically, the, we have an advanced training constitution. That rule is, I can change the rules at any time. I can do whatever I want. But, I wanted to ask, guys, can I impl- does anyone have a problem with me implementing rule number 15? And the rule that I wanted to implement was, and this rule number 15 was, I was going to switch Yurchek and Galley seed. Because Yurchek is on the left side of the bracket. He was a four seed. Galley's on the right side of the bracket. He's a three seed. If I just flop them, that would make my life and everybody else's life a lot easier. 
If I flop them, now your check, he's going to go, uh, he's going to wait a week, and he's going to do his Elite Eight and Final Four next weekend with all the other guys that were on the Bachelor Party, plus Baraji. And then the other guys who are on the left side of the bracket, Cortese, Wallen, Marechko, they're all going to be there this week. Now Galley can operate because he's going to be there this week, and we can do the Final Four and Elite Eight. So, everybody says, yep, no problem, I'm in, life is good, uh, except Marechko. He thinks that he is getting bamboozled. He doesn't like it. He thinks he's getting screwed over, and he's the number one seed. Even though part of this whole situation happened because he originally told me the idea was crazy, then came back and said he couldn't make June 18th. Now, in the midst of all this, he started saying, all right, maybe I can make June 18th, but I'm going to be at a massive disadvantage, but I'll man up and do it. So he's kind of like planting the seeds already that... I don't know what's going on before June 18th, but he's going to be in a rough spot on June 18th to make this work. Plus the fact that Galley wasn't going to be there on June 18th, it just seemed like a, a, a great deal. Like, this is a great deal. We're going to flop it around. We're going to have Cortese go against Galley instead of Yurchek. We're going to put Yurchek out to next week, and then we're going to have Marechko go against Wallen as intended. So, we decide we're going to do this. Everybody agrees to it. We're going to do it. Here we go. We get ready for training. So today, we have our training session. And I'm trying to think of the name of the training session. It's either going to be called Scorched Earth Saturday or Soft Saturday. Or maybe both. So, Scorched Earth, as some of you already know, or most of you know, is when the ground is super dry. And that it was. When I came out of my house this morning to load the truck, I knew it. I was like, this is going to be a scorched earth day. You could just feel there's no moisture at all in the air. My car had no dew on the window, right? Like, you just knew it was going to happen. And the workout was, there was two stations. Station one, I'm going to do a seated sled pull, get up, and then do a slider. And the seated sled pull, everybody knows this, the drier the ground is, the harder it is to pull that sled. Now, granted, uh, the chain is not wet, but it's still hard to pull that sled, and it's hard to push the, to pull yourself on the sliders. That was the the first station. The second station was a 15-yard slider to a prowler there and back. 15 yards there, 15 yards back. It's a high handle one way, a low handle the other way. And it's scorched earth. We only have 25 pounds on each side of that prowler, where there's times when we have like a 45 plus a 25 plus a 10. You know, The, the ground really impacts how brutal this workout's going to be. So it's scorched earth. It's scorched earth, and guys are struggling to get through the workout. Now, let me get back to the soft part, right? So guys are also struggling to get through the workout because I believe we had like we had about five guys say they couldn't come, and then we had three guys that were soft. So we basically have half the training crew there. Again, five guys. I can't get there. I got work. I'm sick. Whatever. They have their their legitimate reasons. And then we have three guys that are just legitimately no shows. So I'm calling it also maybe scorched earth Saturday, maybe soft Saturday. But it's a bad combination because now when we're doing this training session. There's no breaks. You know, when I wrote this thing up on paper, there should be a bunch of extra guys there. So you shouldn't just be flowing from one station to the next. And we're also trying to get this stuff done where we're getting out of there before, I don't know, every soccer league in America comes on the field. That's why we train early, we try and get in, get out, get out of their way. So it's not like I could say, okay guys, let's take a really long break in between these sets. So guys are doing are getting tired from these workouts. But the other part of this, the other critical part of this soft Saturday, is that Cortese, who's the five seed, who was supposed to be going against Yurchek, Yurchek gets shifted to next week. Now he's supposed to be going against Galley. Cortese does not show up. So, I hope he's okay. I don't know what happened. Still haven't heard from him yet. 
Maybe he's still sleeping. It's uh, 10.30 on a Saturday morning as I'm recording this. So Cortese does not show up. And now what that means is this galley, who was shifted from the three seed to a four seed, gets an automatic bid into the final four. He gets an he doesn't have to go in the elite anymore. He just swishes right through it and goes right to the final four. And now, as you could probably imagine, Marechko is pissed. Because what is supposed to happen in this... We're doing the Elite 8 and the Final 4 on the same day. Meaning, the two winners of the Elite 8, they're going to go head-to-head right after this in the Final 4. But now Galley doesn't have to do anything. He's already advanced to the Final 4 without having to compete, and he's not going to be fatigued. And fatigued you will be by the Elite 8 Challenge. So what was the Elite 8 Challenge? We go to the middle of the field. There's that big circle in the middle field that I've talked about. You're going to go... With the prowler, with the ninety pound, with the fifty pounds on it, you're gonna go high handle around the circle. When you get halfway around the circle, you're gonna turn around and low handle it back. And then after you low handle it back, you're gonna do a slider across that circle. So I believe that slider is about twenty five yards. So it's completely brutal. And after the workout, it was also brutal. We had guys tapping out of the workout. We had guys laying down during the workout, and it was really a not feed the cats type of day. So now Wallen is set to go against Marechko. And it's, it, this is like a, a brutal challenge after a brutal workout. And guys are asking me, Coach, you mad at us? Like, did something bad happen at work this week? You take it out on us? No, like, you draw this thing up on paper. Sometimes this is a simple workout, and just because of scorched earth and guys not being there, it became extremely difficult. And originally, my plan was, was to make that slider a single-leg slider, but I was like, this is just unethical to make this a single-leg slider. So, Wallen goes first. He... You know, no one is moving this prowler fast, and he's going relatively well on the high handle. He gets to the low handle, gets about five yards, and you can just see what our guys call JLS kicking. That is called je- Jelly Leg Syndrome. JLS Jelly Leg Syndrome. I think Baraji made that one up. Anyway, you could just see that his legs are just they're stopping moving. Like, they're stopping moving. And it's like, we're just all cheering. Wallen, keep pressing, man. Keep pressing. So Wallen just keeps chopping his feet, chopping his feet chopping his feet. You could tell that he's giving it everything he's got, but man, we all felt terrible for you. It was almost like, uh, when I, I say this a lot, but like when Braveheart at the end of the movie is getting his guts ripped out and they're like, mercy! Like it just, I just felt, everybody just felt for this guy. So he finishes, finishes the farmer's walk as, as difficult as it was. Sorry, not the farmer's walk, the low-handle prowler, and gets to the sliders. And he goes about five yards, and he falls down. I'm like, oh, God, he's not going to be able to finish. <laughs> it's going to be rough. He goes about six more yards, falls down. Goes about five more yards, falls down. And then digs it out. Digs out those last ten yards. Finishes in 138.6. Now, if you put this into perspective, our tough man, you know, like, that's people People at the lower end of the spectrum are finishing the tough man at 138.6. We have guys that finish that in under a minute. Here we are, a minute and a half. And this is not even a tough man. This is like two movements. So that's how brutal this 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 ground, this scorched earth was after the soft Saturday workout because we had not enough guys there. So then Marechko's going to go. Now Marechko is a guy that during the workout is... He's like... He's beat up by the workout. He was laying down on the floor. One of several guys that were just getting beat up by the workout. He chose to go second in the challenge, which I thought was risky. It was like a risk. Uh, the ri- there's a lot of risk reward to that move. As the number one seed, he gets to choose: do I get to go first? Or do I get to, get to go second? I'm assuming he chose to go second because he needed a rest from the workout. But if he wins, now he's got to 
go against Galley, I guess he can decide, all right, I get to go first or second against Galley in this final four, but still his rest is going to be reduced before he goes against Galley. Anyway, Joe goes, he kills the the high handle of the Prowler, and he does a, bet, a much better job on the low handle of the Prowler than Wallen. I'm not going to say it was easy. You could tell he was fatigued, but he does a much better job than Wallen. Wallen had gotten to the sliders at about a minute, maybe longer than that. Maybe about a minute. Marechko gets to the sliders in like 40 seconds. So I'm like, okay, this is a done deal. 40 seconds, he's at the sliders, life is good. He goes about five yards, boom, he hits, he falls on the ground. And then he doesn't get up. And I'm thinking, all right, he's just, <laughs> even before he moved on the sliders, he was trying to catch his breath. Uh, I think he was asking for a time check. I didn't give him one. I just said, the, the clock is running, man. Like, the, don't ask for a time check. The clock is running. In fact, I didn't even know he asked. I thought it was Derrida. So I was telling Derrida, the clock is running. Uh, so anyway, Joe falls down, tries to catch his breath. Then he gets to the middle of the field, falls down, tries to catch his breath. And he's still got, like, 25 seconds left to go. He's got 25 seconds that he could toy with. But he's just not moving. And then he's still not moving. And then he's still not moving. And then that's pretty much it. He stayed right where he was and didn't get back up. He just couldn't go another inch. And as soon as it went past 138.6 while it's time, I just said, time, it's done. Because uh, I didn't have the heart to force this guy to finish that drill because it just wasn't happening. And there he laid for the remainder of the session. So this guy, whatever he brought to the table today, he left literally left it on that field and laid down on in the middle of that field until the remainder of the workout was done. So he's there. We step. <laughs> we then set up the next challenge. So Wallen was the eight seed. He now makes it to the final four. Wallen was a guy that could barely compete in uh, tough man competitions two years ago. I mean, this is like insane progress by Wallen. And now Wallen is moving into the final four against Galley. Galley is fresh. Galley didn't have to go in the elite eight. This is like a great scenario for Galley, and like I said about Wine Trap last week when Amorosi couldn't come, sometimes it is better to be lucky than good. I think Galley is lucky. I think he's also good, so this is like a good combination for Tom Galley. So Tom Galley is going against Wallen in the Final Four. Galley, you're the number three seed. Wallen's the number eight seed. What do you think? Do you want to go first or second? He's wise. He says, I'm going second. So now Wallen, he's got jelly leg syndrome from the drill he just did. This poor guy has to go again. So what is this challenge? So this challenge is we have a sled on the ground with 20 yards worth of chain. The sled has four 45s on it. You're going to lay down on this right in front of the sled. So your nose is basically in front of the sled. On my go, you're going to get up and you're going to run 20 yards, sit on a bucket, and pull that sled into your feet. Then you're going to get up from that split sled, sprint 5 yards to your right, run around a cone, and then sprint 20 yards across the field around another edge of that cone. So you're basically making a figure 8. But instead of coming back to the cone you just came from, you're going to go to another cone 5 yards to your left where there's two sliders waiting for you, and you're going to slide back 20 yards. So remember that Wallen just did this awful challenge with jelly leg syndrome, and he had to do 25-yard slider at the end of it. So this guy's already fatigued, not to mention from the workout. So, you know, we're just, we're, everybody is now cheering so much for Wallen because he is a massive underdog here. He was not supposed to have beaten Marechko, and he did. Now, there's supposed to be no way on earth that he's going to beat Galley. And I got to say that Wallen comes in, and it might have been the best run he's ever had at anything he's ever done. It was like he had a second wind, even though he shouldn't have. 
The only thing I did notice is that when he, 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 he got up, sprinted, did the sled pull. But when he went to go do that sprint, that figure eight sprint, you could just tell that his legs were gone. He had no legs. He, his mind was, was saying, I'm going, but his legs were gone. And Wallen gets through, gets to the sliders, blows through the sliders, and finishes in 48 seconds, which is really impressive. Like, super impressive, for, especially for a guy who just did the challenge. So now Wallen puts on the show. Who knows what's going on, but guys are just fired up. I'm fired. Everybody's fired up because this underdog, Wallen, who's made this great transition in the last two years, is now competing head-to-head against the great and powerful Tom Galley. So Tom Galley goes, same exact drill, and I'm going to use the phrase I always use, he is shot out of a cannon. He's got fresh legs. He doesn't have jelly leg syndrome. Uh, when Marechko and Wallen were going, he looked like he was at a picnic just laying down, you know, looking at butterflies, like really relaxed. And he just absolutely and totally annihilates the drill and finishes it in 33 seconds. So as great as Wallen did, Galley comes in and kills it in 33 seconds, proving why he's Tom Galley. Proving why for most of the season, he was on, he's like undefeated. And uh, never lost. His team never lost when he was there. Like there was a time where Galley, every time he came to a workout, if, if, if he won a competition, like there was no, he just if his team lost, he won, or his team won. But he never walked off of that field having not won a competition that day. And that's why he is who he is. So great win, Tom Galley. He is now officially in the finals. Wallen, great work getting yourself into the final four. This is like this is what advanced training is all about. Like that transition that Rob Wallen made is exactly what advanced training is all about. So great work. There's nothing to be ashamed of in that loss to Galley because look, he got lucky. No Cortese set him up for some fresh legs, and uh, it, it, there's nothing to be ashamed of because Galley's sick and he had fresh legs. You're basically going against the world there. And you went and beat the number one seed, Joe Marechko, who legitimately killed it the entire season. So now, Galley, you are the number one Sorry, you are into the championship. And now next week, you are off. And we're going to work the right side of the bracket where we're going to have Future, a.k.a. Weintraub, go against Baraji. And then we're going to have Shalasi go against Yurchek. And they're going to do the same exact challenges. The same thing we did. We're going to do the same exact workout. So everybody needs to mentally prepare themselves. We're doing the same exact workout. Same exact challenges. Nothing is going to change next week. All right, people. That is the end of this story. You see there are many, many plot-twisted advanced trading. For those of you that listen that are not part of what we do, I, I really hope that you appreciate the insanity of what goes on. It is like a soap opera. It's like professional wrestling. But uh, it really is awesome to see these guys push themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, and, and on top of that, all the drama that comes along with what we do. And that's why I love every second of it. All right, people. Enjoy the rest of your week. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot. A.K.A. like you're not wearing any shoes. A.K.A. like you are wearing zero shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of Zero Shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. So you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is 
X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today.